0: Good evening everyone, welcome to Evening Dhamma Tonight we are looking at Tonight we are looking at The postures of the body Very brief section. The text itself is very short. But there's, as usual, a lot more to say about it. Maybe not as much as last night. So the Buddha says, Gacchanto wa gacchamiti pajanati Bikhu, Biku gacchanto wa Kachami Pajanati Biku and Biku, any one of us Kachanto well going Kachami Kachami Pajanati Pajanati he knows he or she knows knows with wisdom not knows intellectually Kachami I am going. When going, one knows I am going When seated, one knows I am seated Uh, Sorry, standing When standing, one knows I am standing When seated, one knows I am seated When lying down, one knows I am lying down So we make a big deal about these four postures Uh, Here they are, written in the in the Tipitika because they make a good another good basic object of awareness especially the walking one, right? As you know we put a lot of emphasis on actually doing walking meditation and the Buddha did as well, it seems to be a thing to do walking and sitting in alternation but the four postures in general they make up a good uh, framework for us to be mindful not only when we're meditating but when we're living our lives walking down the street knowing you're walking down the street standing in line, sitting on the bus, in a car even when you're lying down to sleep as we'll see in the next section you can be mindful all over, anywhere whatever you're doing so the question is what does the Buddha mean by kashami kachamiti bhajanati one knows with wisdom or knows fully I am going kachami is a first person verb so it's one word that means I go or I walk is really the point here and so it, it doesn't actually I don't think it isn't actually Literally saying, one says to oneself, gachami, 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 gachami. That's not literally what it's saying. And wh- wh- however you understand this, it's because fairly clearly the Buddha most often didn't give explicit practical meditation advice. He, The way he, it's worded is always in terms of the outcome of the practice, a very general because these are general talks and when you give a talk on the Dhamma you don't sit there most often telling the meditators how to meditate Right? there's a difference between giving a talk on the theory and giving actual meditation instruction, now this comes close to giving meditation instruction but much of the Buddha's teaching is much more theory The idea behind it Which means that there was most likely A lot of practical instruction going on Behind the scenes We have some uh, Hints of this throughout the the teachings But it's fairly clear that there was a lot of More practical instruction That was just sort of the day-to-day mundane How you do walking meditation How you do sitting meditation That didn't actually get recorded in all its intricacies there seems to be a favoring of the the actual talks that the buddha gave on on ideas so he's saying one knows clearly i am going he doesn't say what what one does to accomplish that and so actually using a mantra is of course a, for some people it's it's uncomfortable and it's it's an odd sort of idea that when you're walking down the street you should actually say to yourself walking, walking, walking. But odd idea or not it really is the most concrete, obvious way of cultivating this knowledge. I am going. The commentary says something interesting and it gets into what's important about this this passage and, and mindfulness in general. I mean this is a classic description of, of mindfulness when walking one knows I'm walking when standing one knows I'm standing it sounds nice perhaps romantic even uh, this idea that there's a person when I first heard this it was that's how it impressed me it was like okay well, that's a fairly benign sort of philosophy you know There's it's mild but it makes you think. Well, that's kind of poetic—the idea of when you're walking to know that you're walking. It's certainly not what I'm looking for, right? It's, this isn't. This can't be the end of spirituality. We think there's so much more to it, uh, and and it, we don't. And the the point is, we're not clear about how important this is. I mean, it seems to be something that most of us do anyway. Not all the time, sure But when I walk, I know I'm walking When I sit, I know I'm sitting This seems to be the case, right? And so the commentary is quite clear uh, Anticipating this Or probably having encountered this, this idea of Well, mindfulness doesn't sound that tough It sounds like something I do most of the time anyway Is that it's not the same as just knowing that you're walking It's a special kind of knowing that they claim. Now, the commentary doesn't actually give too much detail. Unfortunately, they don't give much explanation on how one goes about creating this special kind of knowing either. Not in this instance, but in the Visuddhimagga, they're quite clear. The Visuddhimagga has some very very explicit, actual, practical meditation advice: how you or, or instruction, how you practice mindfulness, how you practice meditation and it involves a mantra, not always but many times focusing on an object and and repeating to yourself something that clues your mind in or keeps your mind focused on what it is you're observing and the point is that our ordinary knowing of I am walking has very much to do with the I aspect of it there's a self involved when we walk we think hey I'm walking this is me walking so when when again getting back to the questions we ask beginner meditators when you're walking right and left are they one thing or separate things Now, an ordinary understanding is that they're one thing it's me it's my body a person who says that Not to give away the answers, but Such a person is still seeing conventionally The knowledge that we're looking for is knowledge that cuts through convention And does away with the view of self The idea of entities Or control To see that walking occurs based on cause and effect And the, 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 the Pieces or the, the constituents of walking action are moments of experience that arise and cease. And the, the, the Visuddhimagga as well has a really interesting section that comes, I guess, from the ancient commentaries on the six parts of the walking step. So many of you, those of you here, are, have uh, gone through one version of six steps of wa- six parts to a walking step. It's actually an ancient idea. That uh, you know each step is an experience, but in each step there are actually moments of experience that are different as well. So when you lift the foot, the Pali word is udharana. When you move the foot forward, atiharana. And then there's this vitiharana, which I don't really understand. My teacher said. I, and I don't know I'm not sure that he's actually going by the Pali But he called ati, uh, Udharana is lifting the heel Atiharana is lifting the foot Vitiharana is moving the foot forward The Visuddhi Magga doesn't have it exactly like that Vosajjana is lowering the foot Sani is touching the floor Sanirumbana is placing the floor Stabilizing, pressing the foot into the floor And the idea behind this is to really help you to see individual experiences, to be able to distinguish between moments and moments and moments and break apart this idea that it's it's a thing that's walking, break apart our conception, the way we look at the world, change the way we look at the world so that we see it from, so we start to naturally see it from a point of view of experience. And so as we do this, we are able to overcome the idea of self in its many aspects. And also it brings up all of our attachments. I mean, you can't attach to reality. So once you start to focus on, now I'm walking, now I'm sitting, lifting the foot, and so on, it starts to break down any kind of attachment, any kind of clinging that could come. And we it starts to become disjointed, our likes and dislikes we start to see that they're irrational. They have nothing to do with our experience because our experiences are just moments arising and ceasing. So when we talk about knowing, I think I think most people who have undertaken walking meditation understand this difference if they've done it. Uh, diligently and practiced it continuously or you know, daily, uh, you'll start to see there's a difference between uh, walking and, and you know, knowing that you're walking intellectually and actually knowing and lifting. Knowing that this is lifting, knowing that this is moving. I mean, it's very easy for the mind to be doing something else. Of course, walking meditation has to take into account all the other aspects of experience. When the mind is thinking, you've got to be mindful, thinking, thinking, and then start walking again. You can't just force yourself you know, to, be, to, to, be, to meditate. And as it clears up, you'll, you'll feel this change, where you actually do know that this is moving this is walking, this is standing, this is sitting, this is lying down so those are the four postures this is sort of another introductory um, practice the meditator not only do they focus on the rising and falling of the stomach or the breath but they also focus on the postures of the body the next thing the Buddha says is yatha yatha PANASAKAYO PANHITO HOTI PAJANATI Which is a, it's a good sentence. It's an important part of this section. It means, or, however, however the body is disposed. One knows that clearly, one knows it thus clearly Meaning that it's not simply about the four postures The four postures make up a good framework But they certainly aren't all that's happening When you bend, when you stretch, when you reach When you eat, when you shower The next section goes into more detail This one maybe we're just talking about if you're squatting or something Know that you're squatting If you're leaning Or like Ananda when he was lying down He's sitting up and then he lay down And his feet came off the floor and he was very mindful of this posture And before his head touched the pillow He became enlightened So he, he wasn't walking, standing, sitting or lying down When he became enlightened I'm not sure if there's anything else I wanted to say on this. Let's see what it is. The commentary goes on and on and on about. You no, know, very interesting. Again, if you really want to get into it, you should read the commentary. But it's mainly talking about... Oh, the other thing that it talks about is uh, just to talk, just to really drive home this idea of non-self. This idea that it's really not a self that is walking talks about what happens when you walk again with these six parts to the walking step let's say lifting heel, lifting, moving, lowering, touching, pressing all that it is is the elements and the elements means the hardness, softness, the heat, the cold uh, and the tension and the placidity, these are the the three elements that you experience and it says that in uh, in in lifting, heel, lifting and moving uh, The fire element is strong There will be a, he- a heating sensation you know, the, the caloric, sort of a burning And there will be less earth and air, I believe, right? Let me see Oh no! This is not not in this commentary. It's actually the I'm looking at the Visuddhimagga commentary, right, with the six parts. Uh, yes, and so and then with lowering, touching, and pressing. Got or not? Atiharana Vitiharana. Oh no, in was we said in lowering the heat element and the air element are weak. But uh the earth element is strong. Which is weird. You wouldn't think to be it maybe the translation is different. But when you're touching the floor, uh, right, so lowering I'm not exactly sure what it means, but there will be a, a a sense of of the hardness when you touch the floor of course so there will be the earth element in that one and and less less fire because there's a release of the the calor- the, the energy bodily energy expended so there will be a cooling yes and there will also be a release of tension uh Right so on lifting there's also sorry on lifting there's also a tension so the air, air element is strong that tension you feel when you lift that's the air element the heat that it in the leg is all, is the fire element on lowering there's a cooling and there's also a release of pressure so there's going to be a high uh, a low air and fire element and there'll be a, a hardness when you touch the floor and that's the earth element very complicated I've heard I heard this talk once and I thought wow you're supposed to sit you know, so are you really supposed to be aware this is this element this is that element no that's not really the point the point is this is what you're experiencing this is what the real, real experience is there's the experience of, of this and this and there are different experiences each one is individual. The elements are not the same in each aspect. Each each piece of the movement. It's more complicated than you think. More more involved, and even more involved is that it it also involves the mind. You know, why do we walk? What, what, how does the walking occur? So the commentary asks, who walks, right? Who's walking? Is it? And these are the questions that an ordinary mind asks You know, is it me walking? Am I walking? But as you practice uh, continuously you start to see that, well no, not really The mind wants to walk, intends to walk May I walk? I'm going to walk And then the walking occurs So it's cause and effect Based on that cause, the effect is produced that's how reality works. Mind and body work together, cause and effect. The moment of mind is the the intention to do something, and the result is the body. Sometimes the body creates the mind as well, right? There'll be a bodily experience and then there's the awareness of it. So they work together in tandem. It's quite complicated how they work the brain get you know, how the brain works, but in principle it's quite simple. They work together. You want to walk, then there's walking. And this is so this is what a meditator starts to understand. They watch their experience and they start to see that there's the mind and there's the body. The body is composed of these four elements and the mind is composed of many many different elements but together they this is this is our reality and mindfulness is this exploration of reality helping us to see what is the physical it's like wandering through a jungle and exploring all the different plants and, and animals living in the jungle and you start to see more clearly it means you start to understand all the various aspects of reality. It's quite an important knowledge. It's an important. Goes without saying it's an it's a, it's the most important work that we can do is to understand reality. To become familiar with the way the world the way our life works, the way experience works. and goes without saying that someone who doesn't understand how things work tends to make many more mistakes than one who understands how something works this is no truer nowhere else than than with our own reality and experience so this is our practice and that's the section on the postures and then he repeats the the same from last The last section Internally, externally The arising and ceasing Or one just knows this is body Knows it as it is So there you go That's the Dhamma for tonight Thank you all For your attendance 50 people every night on YouTube, that's great. And the question site is working. if during meditation thoughts arise that are emotional issues that you're trying to overcome or make peace with it do you allow yourself to think of them during the meditation or should you just acknowledge them briefly and go back to focusing on the rise and fall of the breath I mean I think there could be times where you do want to think about things but generally overwhelmingly no overwhelmingly the thought arises it triggers an emotion now that wants to be your object of meditation of mindfulness the thought and the emotion and and, and the interplay here and what it's like what what it's like to cultivate that emotion and what is the nature of the thought what is the nature of the emotion what is the nature of th- the thought and understanding the wholesomeness and the unwholesomeness involved in it i mean we're looking at it's like um it's like the difference between watching television and taking your television apart to understand how that picture gets there. Two very different things. We're very much more interested in the latter. You know, we're not interested in the television show. We're not interested in watching TV. We're interested in understanding taking the television apart and understanding how it works. So when you talk about investigating the the issues you're just watching the television show, you're not actually understanding hey what's going on when this television show is on how is that television show created when you focus on the mind you're understanding how you're how does this emotional baggage work not mucking around in the emotional baggage for the most part, now uh, practically speaking sometimes There's a question to be answered, you know Did this person really, you know, did they do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Reflecting in that way can be useful conventionally It's not the answer, it doesn't solve your problems But it helps get your head on straight about something Often those questions aren't even that important Who did what, who was wrong, who was right They they just end up driving you crazy trying to think about it But sometimes Sometimes you have to do some intellectualizing just to get your head on straight about things. When not breathing, should the object of meditation be the most prominent sensation? When not breathing, that's the thing about the breath is it's kind of always there. Uh, We recommend that you stay with the breath and then if something distracts you from it, then focus on that. But if nothing else is distracting, you stay with the breath, stay with the stomach rising and falling. Or just focus on something else that's simple like what we talked about today. You can just say, sitting, sitting. The the postures of the body, whatever posture your body is in, if you can't feel the breath, just say, sitting, sitting. Are compassion and apathy similar? Do you mean empathy? Apathy is very different from compassion. I think you mean empathy. I'm hoping you do, because apathy means disinterest. Compassion means caring. It's quite different. Compassion means, well, compassion technically is just non-cruelty. It's it's the um, the desire for some to help some, or the inclination to help other people, other beings become free from suffering. Apathy is is quite the opposite in that context. You mean empathy? Empathy is I think generally reserved for feeling someone else's feeling, right? If someone is sad, you feel sad with them. That's not the same as compassion. Compassion doesn't feel sad when someone else is sad. It's just inclined to free some, free another person from sadness. Okay, there you go. That's the questions for tonight. Thank you all for coming out.